Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dwight Jennings with Northern California Craniofacial Diagnostic Center. Dr. Jennings is a dentist and TMJ specialist with expertise in treating oral facial pain, non-surgical orthodontics, and dental orthopedics. He's been practicing neuromuscular dentistry for over 25 years and has been involved in clinical research and creating new therapies for a large number of medical and developmental disorders that are associated with TMJ, jaw bite, misalignment, and high levels of systemic inflammation caused by the neurotransmitter substance P. That is quite an intro. We're going to get you to break that down. Dwight, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So you go down a different road of dentistry than the traditional general dentist, or even probably someone who focuses on some TMJ. So tell everyone kind of what it is you do. So I, 90% of my practice is primarily doing precision jaw orthopedics. All right. So stop right there. What does precision jaw orthopedics mean? So that means that we place these patients on a relaxed trajectory of open and closing. We orthopedic, we do anterior reposition therapy. Uh, so we're repositioning the mandible into a fair arc of open open closure. And then we balance them out into pivoting mechanics, you know, where they're hitting molars stronger than anteriors for condylar decompression. All right. So let's dumb that down for the non-dentist me. Basically... You're adjusting their jaw through a form of um, therapy, if you will, to fix their bite. Is that correct? Yeah, through uh, appliances, yes. Okay. So why is that better than braces? So braces are designed to give you a cosmetic look, but they're not designed to orthopedically reposition a mandible. So they're not incorporating TMJ. They're not incorporating airway so much. And so we're looking at a little bit bigger a field, looking a little further afield as to the impact of our orthodontic orthopedic procedures. So without you sounding arrogant, how many dentists out there are even aware of what you're talking about right now? Very few. I would think a dozen or less. <laughs> and so how did you discover this? Yeah, about 25 years ago, I was working with a group of physicians on looking at chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, we had some initial success, and I made some contact with some physicians in the Sacramento area. And uh, in that process, I treated a patient who had been in a whiplash injury, was treating her for migraines. And a year into treatment, she uh, confided in me that she wasn't quite honest in her original intake, and that she had been having six seizures a year all of her life. But since I'd put these mouthpieces in her, she hadn't had a single seizure. She'd gone a whole year without a seizure. And so I ran that by one of the physicians I was working with, a physician by the name of Jay Goldstein, pretty large writer on chronic fatigue at the time. And he says, oh, you changed your sepsis B levels. And I go, what's that? (laughs) 
<laughs> so I started looking at substance P, and I've been following the literature very closely for about 25 years. So what is substance P? It's an 11 amino acid neurotransmitter. So C fibers, which are the pain fibers in the body, the unmyelinated pain fibers uh, in your skin. So when you poke the skin on somebody, you stimulate a C fiber. So C fibers branch out locally and go centrally into the brain. And at the end of that nerve, they pump out substance P. So substance P is the primary neurotransmitter, neuropeptide that mediates our sensory system. And so you changed your substance P by using appliances that helped adjust her her jaw. Correct. Well, that's interesting. And so talk a little bit more about like what is jaw orthopedics? So jaw orthopedics involves finding that trajectory. So it's a functional approach to jaw positioning. You look at where the mandible goes more so when they open than when they close. Right, and from that opening position, you want to make sure that they close upwards and forwards on a fair arc, a smooth arc. So, look, so I had braces in high school, and and got my teeth straight like every American does. And uh, but I grew my lower jaw grew after the braces were off, and so now my bite is not the way you know it, it should be. Now it doesn't bother me in any way, shape, or form, but it's the teeth kind of go around top of each other instead of the front teeth going further like like they would normally. Is that an issue of jaw orthopedics? Yes. And so, so, what, so your mandible didn't grow as you aged. What happened was they left your mandible in traps, locked behind your upper teeth, and functionally you found a way to decompress your jaw joints and habituate forward. And now when you say mandible, because... I'm not a biology major or anatomy major or a dentist. That is the lower jaw, correct? Right. Okay. And so now what type of medical issues would you expect someone to have with what I'm describing as my condition? I, I To my knowledge, I have none. Um, is that normal or is it just sometimes it bothers people, sometimes it doesn't? So or does bio- this mean you're going to die in six hours? <laughs> no. So most what happened to you actually probably made your mandibular position much better. That is, orthopedically, your jaw decompressed and you got better on trajectory. So all primitive humans bit end on end, tip to tip, but only modern man has overbites. So what you're saying is I'm really a caveman because my wife would go along with that very well. Yes. (laughs) And, And getting that mandible freed up and more forward would help you neurologically, uh, health-wise. Okay, so go into that. What would that do neurologically, health-wise? So the vast majority of patients want to be end-on-end, tip-to-tip, which is contrary to to traditional dental models as to what ideal occlusion is. But being end-on-end for the vast majority of people is functionally more ideal, though it may structurally challenge a lot of orthodontist concepts as to where the mandible should be. Everybody's into what they think is incisal guidance. But for my highly sensitive clientele, they do much better when they're end-on-end than if you leave them with a slight overlay. That is, is, where where the mandible wants to be is a biomechanical 
question. And um, muscles are strongest at their resting length. So if you either foreshorten a muscle or elongate a muscle, it makes it weaker. So the muscles attached to your mandible, your lower jaw, to be strongest whenever they have to service the furthest point from your jaw joint. And that's when you bite tip to tip. So man, muscles attached to the mandible to be most relaxed when people are biting end on end. And what are the neuro, um, forgive me the word you said a minute ago, the, what are the health challenges to having, you know, to the teeth not having an overbite, like you were saying a minute ago? So, so putting a person end on end is a lot more challenging orthodontically because it's when you have a when you have a slight overbite, that mandible can slide backwards and it's not as critical. But when you lock them into an end-on-end bite, the height of your back teeth is extremely critical so that there's no force on the front teeth. Right. That is what's supposed to happen in an ideal bite is that your mandible swings up and you hit your back molars first and you microscopically pivot around those molars to get your front teeth together. And that pivoting is critical because if you close up and hit the front teeth at the same time, it jars them and vibrates and get percussion on them. And they have a lot more sensors in them than back molars do, which is neurologically very excitatory to the brain. So from a neurological standpoint, there is brain stimulation by being end on end, is what you're saying. If the molars aren't high enough. That's how the vast majority of people are, right? They have an overbite but they actually want to be this way. So when they close up on a relaxed pattern, they would hit the front teeth and they have to retract their mandible. And the brain stimulation is negative, positive, or indifferent? Uh, very negative. In, in what way? So all dentists know about the trigeminal nerve, but nobody knows about the trigeminal system. And that's how the trigeminal nerve interfaces with the brain. So the trigeminal proprioceptors, your jaw alignment sensors are the only sensory cell bodies in the brain. So developmentally, humans have a massive amount of focus on jaw alignment because of that simple fact of the jaw alignment sensors are in the brain. And those jaw alignment sensors in the brain have massive feed into some very critical structures. They have a, a major influence into your reticular formation, which is your reptilian brain and your center of sensory integration. So when the jaw alignments are off, it alters reticular formation tonicity, and it alters how people um, process, right? So you get a lot of processing errors. Now, the reticular formation is muscle tone and movement origination. So when the bite's off, you get a lot of movement disorders, so you get Tourette's, dystonia, scoliosis, torticollis, Parkinson's, a lot of things like that start going wrong. And the jaw alignment sensors in the brain is in a nucleus immediately adjacent to your sympathetic ganglion, which is your locus ceruleus. And your locus ceruleus is your primary center of adrenaline, norepinephrine production, and peripheral circulation. So there you get peripheral neuropathies, and sympathetic dominance, which is not good. You like to be in parasympathetic dominance, more relaxed, calm. So people with jaw misalignment are constantly anxious. And so, for example, they're not going to get anywhere on opioid addiction if they don't look at bites. 
these people are all self-medicating because of this anxiety and unease feeling that they have that they're trying to just get 15 minutes of relief from. So we just went down a wormhole of brain science and we're just talking about that. We were talking about this is a dental podcast. Holy cow. This rabbit hole goes forever. All right. So what would you say at the risk of taking off a lot of people here? What would you say is wrong with traditional orthodontics? Their model is too small. They, they think that their job is to give people a cosmetic smile and not to address their, their major health issues. But the bite has a major influence on health, and that's, that's been known for a century. And orthodontists have not turned and looked at that. There's a little bit now where they're looking at airway, right? But the airway people are repositioned the mandible at nighttime only and not in the daytime. So traditional orthodontics, this is interesting because my seven-year-old daughter, her pediatric dentist who also does orthodontics says her mouth is too small for the teeth that are coming in. We've got to create more space. And I'm sitting here having podcasts with people like you and Dr. Mark Cruz. And I'm like, well, my daughter's probably a mouth breather. We know that. That's probably caused part of the problems. Um, but, you know, in that scenario, without actually seeing my daughter or knowing what's going on, but when you hear an orthodontist say with someone young, we've got to create more space because your mouth's too small for what's coming. And by the way, she, you can already tell she needs braces just at the way her teeth are. What do you say to that? So by braces, you're implying that she has a cosmetic problem. Yeah, she looks like she's British. Um, but I haven't heard the medical side of it, right? What's what's in her medical history? Has, has Did she have any ear infections when she was younger? Did she have any allergies, asthma, digestive issues, skin disorders? She's about as healthy as you can be. Okay, so, so she doesn't sound like she's impacted. But again, you would want to get her... Uh, mandible on trajectory and treat her initially orthopedically before you worry about the orthodontics. Yeah. All right. So, but like if you're going to treat for someone for uh, jaw orthopedics, is there anyone on the planet who does this besides you and like two other people? Well, there, there are, there are, there's a lot of dentists use uh, developmental appliances, but most of them aren't aware of the neuromuscular concepts that tell them how to put them on trajectory. Right. And when they do the jaw orthopedic, when they widen the jaws, the vast majority of dentists don't do it precisely. That is, uh, in our cases, every time a patient comes in, we do a polyvinyl siloxane bite, a silicone bite, to look at how the posterior molars are aligned right to left. That that the cut that they have very precise cusp fossa. A very high percentage of orthodontic cases when they're finished are not done precisely. They have a nice aesthetic look, but when you look in the mouth, they're off a millimeter here and a millimeter there. How you hit on the last tooth in the back is more important than all the rest put together, and it has to be really, really precise or they'll get into the symptoms. Interesting. So, so dentists aren't doing those bites, and they're not, they're not looking at them because they don't know medically that they have to be that precise. And, and so there's a lot just that's the cases that come in and see me that the, the bite's not comfortable on. But when you take a medical history and pair that up with their bite, there's typically uh, very 
it involved medical history. My patients typically present with a generalized hypersensitivity syndrome from too much substance P. So they're sensitive to noise and to light and the hot and the cold and the food and the drug and the stress. And that hypersensitivity causes a lot of imbalance and upsets homeostasis. And so they're sick frequently with a broad spectrum of medical complaints. That is, what, what is when, you, when you're diagnosed with allergies, does anybody ever tell you why you have allergies? No. No, they, they don't. Nobody looks at substance P. The literature is very clear. There's, if you look, go to PubMed, there's 26,000 articles on substance P. Wow. It's been very extensively studied since 1980, discovered in 1931, but nobody's, nobody's integrated it because there's no pharmaceutical remedies for it. You know, there, there, there's, there is a single- We can't remedy. create a pill to prescribe you, so we're gonna ignore it. Yes. So you do a lot of work with TMJ. Explain, I had a friend who has TMJ. I don't really know what TMJ is. I know it's something with a jaw. I know it's obviously very uncomfortable. Explain what TMJ is and then what you do with it. Temper mandibular joint dysfunction is where your jaw joint in front of your ear develops painful conditions. Sometimes, but it's on a spectrum. So people can have covert dysfunction without TMJ symptoms. And so we're looking more uh, at a functional level than at a <clears throat> diagnosis level. So typically the jaws back too far and that causes the meniscus inside that joint to get squished forward. And so every time they open, it pops back where it's supposed to be. And every time they close, it gets squished forward again. So there's clicking, popping and gravelly noises in that joint. Both of the two largest TMJ organizations in the United States recommend anterior reposition therapy to treat that. Those, a lot of schools still think it's a psychosomatic disorder. And so treating it the way those two schools recommend, what are the results? So when you do anterior reposition therapy and decompress that joint and recapture the disc and support the bite precisely, the symptoms go away and you're able to eliminate all the joint noise and the facial pain. Is that a once it's gone, it's gone forever? Or do you have to continue to have to continue to do that therapy? When you bring the jaw forward, it's critical that they be put into a nighttime retainer that doesn't let their jaw fall back at nighttime or you can reverse it. And that's typically what happens to most people when they fall asleep, the jaw will fall back and that's what snoring is all about. And then how long is it what how long does it take to kind of cure that that depends uh, most cases it's probably about 15 to 18 months uh if you get a case though where they've extracted teeth orthodontically and close up those spaces and you have to reopen those orthodontic spaces in order to get the jaw far enough forward to fix the joints some of those cases are extremely hypersensitive and you have to progress really slow and you have to develop jaws on an adult you have to go in a very slow and sometimes those could take up three to five years. Wow. So how many dentists are you seeing, or are you seeing a lot of dentists kind of gravitate towards this side of dentistry? Or is it an uphill battle and it requires a lot of continuing education, to say the least, and uh, some people just aren't willing to commit the time and effort? And it's problems usually not on the, the patient side. 
they're looking for solutions. Right. Uh, my, in the last couple of weeks, the patients that have come in, they've already been through three treatments on average. And are you getting patients from the from nationwide or just the San Francisco Bay Area where you're at? We have a very large nationwide uh, clientele. Uh, we're adjacent to the Oakland Airport, and so we have a very large number that fly in. You know, this week we've had patients from Denver, Houston, New York. And how do they find you? Just the internet? Uh, mostly internet. Uh huh. But are you seeing a lot of other dentists kind of go down this road, or is it are you are you kind of like Han Solo? <laughs> Here. There's a growing interest. You know, there's a, a number of uh, medical dental organizations that have been created in the last decade. And so there's a more interest. They haven't developed the understanding that I have, but there's interest in this area. There's, uh, but it's still a pretty small field. It's a long learning curve. Uh, it's, it's a treacherous learning curve because when these substance P levels go up, these people become very highly sensitized. And so you have to do the work really precisely. It's challenging to do it precisely. And it requires different appliances than traditional TMJ. And so trying to do this is can be uh, can backfire on the dentists a lot of times in trying to treat these highly sensitized uh, patients. So, but it's uh, I, I think it's it's gonna have to come with the insight into airway. Airway is gonna drive this uh, further and further uh, into dentistry. Now, before you discovered this, was your practice, were you, were you just general dentistry with some orthodontics or were you orthodontist? What were you doing? I was a general dentist uh, doing orthodontics. And now when you talk to, say, orthodontist about this type of stuff, what kind of response do you get? Well, the, the survey of orthodontists in the last one I read that 70% of orthodontists don't think the bite has anything to do with TMJ. Some are very dismissal. They, for the mass, most part, don't agree with my uh, occlusal position. That what they've been taught in school is to leave that overbite, slight overbite on the cases. There, any orthodontist that's now doing CBCTs are faced with this dilemma. They, they, they have to go into anterior repositioning therapy if they're imaging those TMJs, because they're just going to run across a very large amount of them that are very obviously posteriorly displaced with a lot of cognitive erosion. Are the schools teaching the wrong things? Yes. That's not very popular thing to say. <laughs> no, I was just at a recent, my alma mater uh, just did a recent class on sleep apnea. It was one of the worst classes I've ever attended. <laughs> it was a job. Well, I mean, it's probably not just dental school. It's, it's you know, you, you learn so much more on the job in, in just about any career. Obviously, there's a lot of the clinical things you're going to learn in, in, the, in dental school. But I'm sure that it's when you start going down this road, which is not a very big segment of the, of the, of the industry, if you will, it, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah. Well, so if, if if there's someone listening to this and they're, and they're really intrigued by this, where do they learn more? Like, how do they go down this road of education? So uh, <clears throat> I basically integrated functional jaw orthopedics, neuromuscular concepts, and some other special appliances and skills. I am teaching classes. I have seminars. I have a a lecture series that we're starting in February 
So it's um, there's there's ways to learn. Is that you know learning neuromuscular concepts would be very helpful. Learning how how to look for trajectory. I I do a lot of shortcuts. I published an article many many years ago on speech as a diagnostic criteria for the evaluation of jaw alignment. But I primarily look at how a person opens and closes. I've with the neuromuscular instrumentation, I've calculated my own vision. I know that my vision is accurate to within 0.3 millimeters on finding trajectory. Um, I use speech rather than tens to initially establish trajectory, which is a little different. And so I, I can I can do things a lot faster, but I still fall back on neuromuscular instrumentation when I run into difficult cases that don't respond appropriately. So where would someone go to like to hear about your classes, to sign up for your classes? They can uh, contact me directly, either through my email, it's on my websites, or call our office. Okay, and we'll get to that here in a few minutes. So the industry, from your perspective, I'm putting words in your mouth here. The industry is behind the curve on this. They're focused on the dental industry is basically in the same scenario the medical industry is. They're focused on symptoms instead of the cause. Right. Um, and so because of that, they haven't really dealt with the whole breathing issue, which is a big deal. Na- mouth breathing is, is not ideal versus no- nasal breathing, which, I mean, we could, we could go down that road, but we, we, you know, we talked about that a little bit offline. And then the orthopedics is that everything is connected. Unfortunately, dentists tend to focus on what is in the mouth and you don't get a physician to come in unless there's a tumor in the mouth. But then once it's outside the mouth, the dentist's kind of like, oh, that's not my sandbox anymore. But the reality is it's all connected. And so there needs to be a larger cooperation between dentists and physicians. And I'm sure ENTs probably are not even really considering this type of stuff. ENTs do. uh, I think ENTs are a lot more aware of TMJ these days. I get a number of referrals from. from That's fantastic. But, But the dental world needs to you're what you're saying is the dental world needs to kind of expand the scope in realizing everything is connected it's not just teeth it's the bones it's the breathing it's everything is, is that a fair assessment that's that's fair yes the, the biggest challenge is, is it the biggest challenge is it's easier just to do implants and cavities and you know all that other fun stuff that goes along it's just a lot easier and more profitable and less education required that's probably true for the most part, they just not have been exposed. They're just not aware of the concepts. They're not aware of the literature. Right? The, the difference between humans and artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence reads everything and forgets nothing. When humans are faced with a problem, they go down their little rut and they don't broaden their vision. They don't look at the literature. They don't do a literature search. Right? right? We're all myoptically focused on how we've been trained and we're not we're not integrating the broader meta, the literature model that's out there. You know, we have we have the PubMed and the National Library of Medicine, but nobody's utilizing it. You know, when, when you develop a medical condition, you need to go back and, and do your research and look and see all the different things that can cause that problem and all the different treatments that people have devised and not listen to just your physician. That makes sense. So... To go down this road, if I was a dentist and I was intrigued, I've got to just start educating myself, which is a long process. There's a lot of education out there. And so 
going to your website. So NorCalCranio.com is one of your websites and TMJCalifornia.com is one of your websites. They can get all the information they need about you, about courses you offer right there. Yeah. And so what advice would you give to somebody who is intrigued by this and wants to go down this road? That one, that they would develop neuromuscular concepts, develop functional orthodontic understanding, be able to handle those appliances and hardware, and then, you know, come and see me for the neurological information. I have a vast amount of neurological research that's not common anywhere in the dental profession. Now, when you're dealing with patients, though, you've got to find patients who are basically desperate because if you're just dealing with a regular general dentist patient, they're not going to see a need and value in this because obviously it's a higher cost, probably not covered by insurance, correct? So TMJ is considered a medical problem by all court cases. Uh, So there are some benefits under your medical insurance, but it's not so much doing something extra as doing what you do. When you do it, you do it precisely. That is, if they're going to spend the money on orthodontics, they need to make sure that that orthodontics is being done to a high degree of precision. And there's a very large number of clientele that would pay anything to get rid of a medical ailment. Right. That's true. They just don't know that there's a solution for it. This, you know, yeah, when, no, you, when you're dealing with somebody with asthma, you know, that's life threatening. People die from asthmatic attacks and you tell them that you can reverse this by doing precision jaw orthopedics on it. You know, they're going to take you seriously. They're, they're, nobody else has told them this. Nobody. And you show them the literature, right? He explained that that, the, that there is a medical model that explains how the body develops this. I'm going to give you another example. The literature is very clear that substance P is a pri- is the is a primary driver of tumor growth. Oh wow! Substance P is implicated as to a primary cause of most forms of cancer. Do the oncologists know this? They probably have not read that literature, but the literature is very extensive as to the involvement of substance P in cancer growth and development. Fascinating. Fascinating. So so as humans' jaws degenerate significantly with every generation, you know, our health system is going to become over-inundated, right? Substance P is a major driver of COVID and long COVID. And there's, really? there's literature, there's literature to, to agree with me on that. That is absolutely fascinating. So, so to go to, to begin your study of all this jaw orthopedics and, you know, dental orthopedics and this neuromuscular dentistry, norcalcranio.com and tmjcalifornia.com. Yes. Well, Dwight, this has been an absolutely fascinating and quite technical and heady conversation, (laughs) but I I really appreciate your time today. This is going to be really informative for a lot of people. I think dentists look at this. There's a huge amount of clientele that's being passed over. They're leaving a lot of of revenue off on, on the table, on the table, a very large amount of revenue on the table. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you provide value, solve problems, you can make money. Uh, and this is this seems like it's an underserved market, to say the least. And the satisfaction of getting somebody out of pain that's been in pain for a long, long time is very, very, very rewarding. Absolutely. Uh, 
Well, Dwight, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. This has been a really interesting conversation. Great. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Paz, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. External sites and materials are provided for your convenience in locating related information and services. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain, control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Security products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073-2022-1. 834 expires 1224. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.